Welcome to Spew Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Quirinus, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter, Abby Kadabi, has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 38th meeting of Spew to order. Hello, Lavender. Hello, Queerness. How are you today? I'm... (laughs) I'm glad it's the end of the week and I don't have to go to work tomorrow, so I'm good. Oh. Yeah. Uh. Me. Yeah. I'm... My life is so totally different than everyone else's now. I only work on weekends. I... Yeah. That's... It's very backwards. And you like your job. (laughs) I like only working on the weekends. How's Abby doing? Abby's doing all right. <laughs> it suddenly, I don't know, hit me this week that she's getting big. You know, she'll she'll be 11 in May and it's just kind of hit me like a freight train. <laughs> I don't know, 11 seemed to happen so fast. Yeah, 11 and 10 are like the same thing, right? No, unfortunately they're not. Well, Birth dates for the second half of the month. We don't have much. We have James Potter's on March 27th. Which is also my sister's birthday. <laughs> yes. Did we mention that one last time? We may have. We uh, may have. Yeah, that sounds that sounds familiar. Some real world birthdays. Uh, the 15th is Sean Biggerstaff, who plays Oliver Wood. And the punniness of th- those names are still punny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the 18th is Steve Cloves, the 20th is David Thulis, the 21st is Gary Oldman and Kevin Guthrie, the 22nd is Leela Sutherland, the 27th is Adrian Rollins and Julian Glover. The actor who played James Potter has the same birthday as James Potter. <laughs> Interesting. The 28th is Mike Newell. Uh, 29th is Brendan Gleeson, and the 30th is Robbie Coltrane's. You're, are you quiet today, or do I just have nothing to talk about? Um, no, I'm quiet. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is mush. I've been, um, I've been training, like, 30 new hires on a different continent Ooh. in different, in different, uh, time zones for the past two weeks, so... I don't know how to act. So what are we talking about today? Lord, you're asking the wrong person. We are talking about the last part of the Half-Blood Prince, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, chapters 21 through 30, I believe it is. And this this is this is the part where this book stops being boring and actually is like, there's a lot going on really fast all at once. And very little references to autism. <laughs> yeah. Again, as you get further into the books, and they get more actiony and less metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Just more action. <laughs> more action. So we're starting with the unknowable room. Is when we find out that Malfoy's been using the room of requirement, which 
how no one figures this out earlier, like even the reader, I'm not entirely sure. No, I remember when this first came out and I was just kind of blown away by this whole, really this whole last part of the book in general, but I was just like, what? Malfoy is in the room of requirement? This makes so much sense. And I just wrote down this quote because this is a Hermione quote talking about what they can't do, basically. (laughs) She's like, well, there's the imperious curse, which is illegal. And Harry's just like, yeah, I know that. Thanks. Hermione is kind of rude in this chapter. Yeah, Hermione's kind of losing it. She's losing her stability as the series goes on. And I don't know if that's character development or not. I also wrote down a Dobby quote because Dobby quotes are fun. (laughs) It says, Draco Malfoy (laughs) is a bad boy. (laughs) and then he felt bad even for saying that (laughs) i i love the interactions between dobby and creature i know you like feel bad for both of them at the same time for it's just that they would be a great comic duo minus the comedy Yeah, if you have a sick sense of humor, then they're a great comic duo. And then this quote, I just, I feel this a yes. Harry took a deep breath and continued calmly, although his insides were boiling. Same, Harry. It's like sticking a wooden spoon in a pot, and then the wooden spoon falls out. The only metaphor I could really find in this chapter was the fact that, well, specifically Dobby took Harry's, you know, instructions so literally. It was like, we followed him night and day. Yeah. We haven't slept in a week. Yeah. When Harry gave them those instructions in the first place, and that he really needed to specify that they should take turns so that they could sleep. And the the fact that he didn't do that was bad. That's really the... Just very literal. You have to be Poor careful Dobby. with what you say. Yes. Say what you mean and mean what you say. And then Creature creature just trying to not tell Harry information, but just say a lot of words. I just loved that. <laughs> creature knows how to obey while not obeying. While not obeying, yeah. <laughs> Without actually breaking any of the rules. He's very good at that. Mm-hmm. Ernie was looking rather grumpy, determined to outshine Harry for once. He had most rashly invented his own potion, which had curdled and formed a kind of purple dumpling at the bottom of his cauldron. I feel like most times when I try to figure something out on my own, it ends up like a purple dumpling. (laughs) I, 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 I mainly copied it because purple dumpling is such an apt description of all mistakes. It's just a purple dumpling. That's all. This next conversation I, I copied down is right after Harry takes the Felix Felicis and decides he's going to go bury Aragog anyway. You've got a good feeling about burying a giant spider, asked Ron, looking stunned. Yeah, said Harry, pulling his invisibility cloak out of the bag. I feel like it's the place to be tonight. You know what I mean? No, said Ron and Hermione together, looking positively alarmed now. It's that British humor. It gets me every time. (laughs) See, and in this chapter, I didn't like how Hermione was instantly just like, oh, Hagrid will be fine. He can bury his giant spider without us. She She started out being very supportive of Hagrid and has evolved to, yeah, let's just ignore him because it's safer. Right. And I'm not a fan. Yeah. Hermione's evolution is kind of all over the place. Well, he said with a most convincing hesitancy, 
Harry knowing how to pretend realistically. So, yes. Knowing how to pretend realistically to fit in in normal conversation. This is a daily activity. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. The other note that I wrote down for this chapter is the fact that Hagrid does not know what other people would like. He says it kind of a lot throughout most of the books, but this one, he says it like three times in this chapter of, oh yeah, th they would like that. And it's like, no, no, they wouldn't have. Hag Hagrid's not good at knowing what other people like. But he stays true to himself. I also have some more Hagrid quote to read. Starts off with, he's responding to Slughorn. Slughorn says, But my dear chap, do you know how much that's worth? I use it for bonding on bandages and stuff if a creature gets injured, said Hagrid, shrugging. <laughs> Why do you make Hagrid country? He's British. Because I, I, I don't know what the West country sounds like, but to me it sounds like the South. But it doesn't. Because it's the way it's written. No, it's not. <laughs> I read it exactly the way it was written. But with the wrong accent. All right. I took a note here, the out of context, and I'm sure I would like this if I understood what it was talking about. <laughs> uh, now that I'm reading it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it fell out of context in the book, and that's why I copied it. But now it's out of context altogether, and I don't know what it's even referring to. So we'll move on. And if you do, said Harry quickly, can I come with you and help get rid of it? Dumbledore looked at Harry very intently f for a moment before saying, Yes, I think so. I can, said Harry, thoroughly taken aback. Yeah, you, you don't ask questions you know the answer to. Or you, that you don't know the answer, that you do know the answer. If you ask a question you know the answer to, you will get the wrong answer, and it, it's it's breaking. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, it, it breaks reality. My reality? Our reality? The fourth wall? Maybe. So what struck me in this chapter, and I don't really think this is a metaphor for autism or anything at all hmm. is in the in the memory that harry finally gets from slughorn you know we've read this whole book up until this point waiting for this moment i still don't fully understand why we need the memory and not just need slughorn to confirm that he gave him the information he asked for because slughorn would never do that but Slughorn just very willingly, like, gave this information to a student. His arm was not really twisted. No. Not really. No. He was just like, yeah, this is dark magic and Dumbledore doesn't want it taught at this school, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an overview anyways. The only real information, though, that they got out of this memory was information that Dumbledore didn't necessarily know was in the memory, and that's the fact that he was asking about seven horcruxes right i thought that was the whole point again the memory but there's no real way that we would know that dumbledore would know that that would even come up necessarily the only real point of getting the memory was to prove that he had given him any information really there just happened to be an extra piece of information yeah you're right because at this point dumbledore knew that obviously there were 
horcruxes afoot. You know, he had the ring and the diary. And Dumbledore, Dumbledore's a smart man. I guess he, knew he had what the was assumption up. it was seven. He just knew for a fact there was more than one. Right. But even, even with this memory, we still don't know for sure that that's what Voldemort did. You know, that's just an assumption. Yeah. What if Voldemort was like, this is too much work. I'm just doing five. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. He started it. He'd go to seven. Oh, I remembered what this other thing was about. <laughs> mm. So he passed one of the ghosts, found out that Dumbledore was back. He was passing by the Bloody Baron or something. And Harry's just like, where is he? And um, I think it was Nick responds, oh, groaning and clanking on up in the astronomy tower. It's a favorite pastime of his. It's like, no, not the Bloody Baron. Where's Dumbledore? I, I just Right, because Nick was Nick was obsessed with the Bloody Baron and always seemed to like... He, yes. Nick was n kind of off in his own world, answering his own question, not concerned at all with what Harry was asking. Not at all. Not a lick. Then the next chapter, Sectumsempra, we have yet another case of Joanne's obsession with men dressed as women hiding in bathrooms. <laughs> That That's, like, this is something that's, like, maybe has happened once in the history of ever, but, like, she is so absolutely terrified of this happening. It is just obnoxious. Interesting conclusion. Where is this in the chapter? They are talking about how Katie Bell, who got the necklace, Yeah. she was heading to the bathroom and went in, and next thing she knew, she had this necklace. Oh, good point. And so... So the dangers of men dressed as women in bathrooms is you could end up with a cursed amulet. It comes up in this chapter, even though we find out later it was Madame Rose Murda. Right. And I got a quote about Moaning Myrtle. She continued to wail and sob with increasingly evident enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is also the chapter with the very wonderful... I understand what a nickname is. This one's probably my favorite quote in the whole series. Really? Yeah, really. Why Why not? You, you get Harry being sassy while at the same time misunderstanding a sentence. It's great. Ronald Weaslab. This is also the first time we really kind of discover that Harry might have feelings for Jenny when it's a little out of place, but whatever. And Harry's internal monologue with whether he has feelings for her or not. This always just seemed out of place for me. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it feels like a random last minute addition, but I, I'm not, from a narrative standpoint, it seems out of place. From a realism standpoint, maybe not, I guess. I think Harry and Ron just should have ended up together. <laughs> it would have made more sense, to be honest. It would have, because Jenny's just like the female version of Ron, just more confident. And competent. True. <laughs> yeah, Jenny's just a better version of Ron. She's also much better at Quidditch, just in general. Moving on. This is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to Spew. Hold on, wait, we don't have trivia? 
No, I forgot to get trivia, and I didn't get anything good. I was finally getting good at it. I was getting worse at picking out questions. Because you were trying to trick me. Yeah. <laughs> you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. Is it just me, or does the gingerbread man and the story of the frog and the scorpion, like, the same story? I don't know the story of the frog and the scorpion, so I don't know. Okay, let's finish up and I'll, I'll tell you about the frog and the scorpion. <laughs> the seer overheard, and this chapter is mostly just Trelawney being overdramatic. Why? Why is she so overdramatic? These are... From here on are the hardest chapters for me. Just like it was in Order of the Phoenix. Like, ugh. They're hard to read. I get emotional. This is when they get exciting. It's easier to read because it's what? Like stuff's happening. What? No, it's sad. Harry goes and meets with, with Dumbledore to tell him something. Forgot about the other thing he was going to see Dumbledore about. Got confused. And... <laughs> Dumbledore's, what has happened to you? Nothing lied, Harry, promptly. What has upset you? I am not upset. Harry, you were never a good Aquamans. Which is super rude. Dumbledore did not use that legitimacy on him. He just knew because he's a bad liar. These words are awful. Aquamansy, which one's which? Why is there two completely different words to mean opposites? I don't know. He wanted to rage and storm at Dumbledore, but he also wanted to go with him and try to destroy the Horcrux. He wanted to tell him that he was a foolish old man for trusting Snape, but he was terrified that Dumbledore would not take him along unless he mastered his anger. It was as difficult to stop his relentless pacing as to refrain from shouting. Hmm... Why did this one hit home for you, Queermas? <laughs> I am this entire paragraph. <laughs> yes. Queerness is a pacer. I pace a lot. And always seems like anger is just bubbling right on the surface. He's very pleasant. And I love him. But he always just seems like, you know, just one snap away from telling you you're dumb. Well, don't be dumb. Also, just because I'm pacing doesn't mean I'm angry. No, and I learned that. A lot of, lot of people don't understand this concept. They assume that if I'm pacing, it means something bad, but it doesn't. No, it just means you want to move. Yes. Also in this chapter is when Hermione has this, like, desperate attempt at trying to prove that the Half-Blood Prince is a woman. She's, like, so desperate for the prince to be a woman, and I don't understand why. Yes, Joanne, we get it. Even in a previous chapter, she's like, you just don't think the prince could be a girl since she's clever. And Harry was immediately, immediately, he was like, how could I have been friends with you for six years and not think girls are clever? Like, Hermione, you're, you're totally reaching on this right now, and you know it. We all know it. It also isn't that different than Slughorn and the concept that someone could be a good witch and be a mudblood. Like, Hermione doesn't even really have to try super hard, and she's already, like, the top of her class. <laughs> you don't have to try any harder. Th that, yes, she does. 
But why? Because the next chapter, they go to the cave. Why? Why does Dumbledore let Harry try to summon the Horcrux? Like, I get that he doesn't think it's actually going to work, but why does he let Harry try and not, like, try himself with his dead hand? Can he cast magic with his dead hand? I'm going to assume not. I think Dumbledore was just like, you know what? That's simple, and I never thought of that. Let's give it a shot. You know, and, it, and this is actually one of my notes. <laughs> you know, Harry just tried to find the simplest solution to the problems. Like, can we just try to summon this and get out of here? I don't want to be here. And, and Dumbledore was like, you're right. Of course we can try. It's not going to work, but we can try. I loved it. But if it did work, then Harry could end up with a cursed hand. Also... It kind of didn't work because the Horcrux was already removed? Perhaps? But then why did anything happen? I don't know. What did happen? We don't really know what exactly happened when he did it, but something happened. Dumbledore raised his wand again, twirled it once in midair, and then caught the crystal goblet that he had conjured out of nowhere. I can only conclude that this potion is supposed to be drunk. Dumbledore has style. I, I copied this down for two reasons. One, the way that it's worded in that he casts a spell and then catches the crystal goblet that he just conjured. He didn't conjure the crystal goblet and then catch it. He cast the spell, then caught it. It's very lacking of cause and effect there's like a middle section that's missing but also if if what what, what is that sherlock quote what when you have it eliminated the impossible whatever remains however improbable must be the truth i can only conclude that this potion is supposed to be drunk <laughs> And also, I love this. Harry knew instinctively the only way left to get water because Voldemort had planned it so. Dun, dun, dun. It, yes, it's, it's very, you, you knew that was the only way to get water, but he still tried the other solutions and he knew what was going to happen. But also, so did Voldemort. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. The next chapter... The wonderful, wonderful, sad chapter. No, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. I have this great Dumbledore quote where he says, Jokes? No, 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 these are manners. And I feel like I have been here. I try to use manners and everyone thinks I'm being sarcastic. I don't like manners. Ridiculous societal constructs. Yes. Also, these two chapters kind of the overarching theme that I felt was this being told to be to do something and not being able to say no not necessarily not being able to do the opposite but not being able to say no you 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 have to I have a hard time saying no doesn't mean I won't do the opposite I just if someone wants me to do something, I, I'm probably going to do it unless I'm mad at them and then I'll do the opposite. But I won't say no. 
which gets me in trouble because then I'm doing a bunch of stuff. The other thing that kind of struck me about these two chapters is the fact, and I, I, I think this, the, these two thoughts is kind of going to be my thoughts on the book as a whole. Just, it, it feels like this epitome of being told you have to do something and then you just have to do it even if you don't want to or even if it's not smart to do you have to still do it and the other thing is this book is the epitome of absolutely everything falling apart all at once but according to plan everyone's plan plans out exactly right exactly as they planned it to happen but we don't know that yet so it just feels like everything is falling apart at once. Oh, man. This book was a total punch in the gut when it first came out. For me, at least, personally. I remember staying up until like 2 o'clock in the morning to finish this book. And it was just, I mean, literally, I felt like I got punched in the gut. I was kind of irritated that even though Madame Rosemurda was like under the Imperious Curse... She didn't call the Ministry of Magic like she said she was going to. <laughs> what? That bothers you out of these two momentous chapters? Yes. Because, like, they should have showed up at some point during this fight. But no, they don't show up till morning because no one's able to let them know. Not that they're any well, I mean, help. I can understand. Right, exactly. What? <laughs> Fudge would have just gotten in the way. And like sees him. Oh, scrim, 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 gets in the way. They're both, they're bad. But like, somebody needs to know. Call the authorities. Yes, she didn't call the authorities. Bad. And then I had no notes at all for the flight of the prince. Yeah, this one was just really action packed. Not much dialogue, just a lot of. Bam, bam, bam. Action. Action. And betrayal by Snape. Who was following his plan, which was... Betrayal. Which was also both Dumbledore's plan and Narcissus' plan, but also Voldemort's plan planned out, except that it didn't because someone else's plan planned... There was a lot of planning, a lot of things happened, and everyone's plan led to destruction... And so there was a lot of destruction. Yeah, basically. <laughs> In this final chapter, I got a couple little things. Hermione was reading the prophet again. And Ron says, anyone else we know died? Which is not the first time he has said this when she's reading the prophet. It feels like kind of a running joke that he probably says every morning. Except this morning it was bad. And, and also, here's... Going back to what you were saying about Hermione and the library or schoolwork, she had been since rushing off to the library a little more often than was strictly necessary for somebody who had no homework to do. <laughs> it is Hermione. And then finally we close out this book with the simple line, the idea that anything as normal as a wedding could still exist seemed incredible and yet wonderful right that is a you're right that's a very accurate sentence i'm supposed to get married this year and i just i don't know 
there's still corona happening. It just doesn't, and you know, just the past year plus in general, you know, it's just been a little wonky. It just kind of feels all surreal. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to plan this crap. You could have a corona wedding. Like, with with with, with crowns that everyone wears. It's like all like, and giant needle-shaped balloons. You can just go elope, too. That's an option. No, hire me as your wedding planner. <laughs> Fine. I know nothing about wedding planning, but you will be the chicken dance. <laughs> nope, never mind. Have, I take it back. Have we had this conversation before? <laughs> I don't think so. This is all very impromptu. Because I feel like I've mentioned the chicken dance before. It's not ringing a bell, but it's possible. Well, if you would like to join our conversation, we would like you to send some owl mail to spewcast at gmail.com. Please. Or send us some howlers. You can click the link in the description or send us some voicemail. Call us. It's 407-706-SPEW. That's 407-706-7739. We are also on Twitter at Spectrum People. We are on Facebook as well at facebook.com slash spewcast. Instagram at spewpod and TikTok at spewcast. And as always, we'd like to thank Joan Burr for our theme music. Until next time, I'm Queerness. And I'm Lavender. And as Luna Lovegood says, don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. Bye. Bye. Or send us some howlers. You can click the link in the description or send us some voice word mail to that. Or you can call us. It's 407-706-SPEW. That's 407-706-7739. Voicemail. I was going <laughs> to word mail. Word mail's not useful. No. <laughs> no.